And so today, as we jump in, we've, we, again, we've been looking at, you know, how they were givers, how they, uh, how they believed the best last week. Um, but today's teaching is going to be about how the early church moved in miracles, moved in miracles, and how we should be moving in mir- miracles. Father Boudreaux, the head of the diocese there in Louisiana, was driving home late one night down through Lafayette. He was swerving a little bit, and the state trooper pulled him over. And he pulled up to the car, and he rolled down his window. He said, uh, he said, oh, I'm sorry, Father. I didn't realize that was you. He said, that's okay, my son. Be blessed. He said, oh, hold on, Father. You're swerving all over the place. You, you've been drinking? What you got right there? And he had an open container. He said, no, my son, that's water. He said, uh, boy, are you sure, Father? Because it sure don't smell like water coming off your breath. He said, son, I'm telling you, that's water. He said, well, sir, let me see it. And he hands it to him. He looks in down. And he says, sir, he said, Father, this is wine. He goes, oh, he done done it again. I can't believe it. <laughs> if you got your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 14. This is going to be our key verse today. John chapter 14, verse 12. This is Jesus speaking. He says, very truly. Everybody say very truly. Man, if you open up a sentence with very truly, it must be something. Very truly. (laughs) That would be a great conversation. Very truly, you are fired. All right. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. How many of you believe this scripture? Okay, about half of you. All right. Let's be honest. No, you don't. Truthfully. How well do we truly believe what he says here? He said, again, I'll read it to you. Whoever believes in me, do you believe in Jesus? Say yes. Whoever believes in me, the works I have been doing, raising the dead, healing the sick, blind eyes opening, prophesying to people, calling people into positions of rightness with the Lord their God, greater works than these will you do, even greater things. This was the intent that the followers of Christ would do what Christ had done, that we would live and act the way he acted. And as we dive into this whole teaching about miracles today, I want you to understand it was even difficult for us to pull out a key passage because the entire book of Acts is about miracles. Uh, You can't get through a chapter without something supernatural happening in the early church's life. I mean, the moment you open it up, you see in the first couple of chapters, a supernatural outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We see Peter and John walking up to the gate beautiful. There's a lame man. He's begging you, alms for the poor, alms for the poor. And Peter and John said, man, we ain't got no money, but what we got, we'll give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And all of a sudden, a man who's been paralyzed since he was a child, all of a sudden, starts jumping up and down. He's got brand new legs. Whatever was wounded in his spinal cord has now been completely healed. Peter and John were just going about their day. They weren't doing a healing crusade. They weren't having healing moments at the church. They were just living out their life for Jesus. We see it all throughout the scripture. I mean, we were, we were studying a few weeks ago how they, they just began to bring all their money. And just let, that's a miracle. Uncle Goldenberg gave his money to the church. Just saying, not to, you know, profile Jewish people, but just saying. Uncle Bo- Goldberg done come and laid all his money down at the apostles' feet. Just, just, just help people. That's a miracle. When you, lo- when you keep looking, Peter's shadow was healing people. I mean, I don't know about you, but if my shadow was healing people, I'd just walk around with a giant QB, boom, 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 to Walmart. 
Y'all better get up in on this. I'm telling you, something crazy is happening. I mean, they would literally take uh, pieces of the cloth off, off, off of their bodies and send it to people uh, because literally there was some kind of transference was happening and miracles were transpiring uh, with the handkerchiefs that had been around Paul's neck and Peter's neck. I mean, it's crazy miracles. And every day, people were moving in them. Stephen was doing miracles. You know, one of the apostles. Philip, we'll study that here in a second. In fact, open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 8. I want to look at this one passage and... Again, we've been trying to kind of just cover as much of the chapters as we can, but there's no way in the few weeks that we have that we're going to get through all 28 chapters. So I'm just pulling out some key pieces. Acts chapter 8, verse 5. I want to really look at this passage. Is it okay if we read the Bible in church? Are you guys good with that? Say yes. Amen. Come on now. We'll go somewhere else if you don't want the word. All right, here we go. Acts chapter 8, verse 5. Philip. Everybody say Philip. Philip went down. Come on, Philip. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. Verse 7, for with shrieks and pure spirits came out of many. Out of how many? Many. many. Out of a couple? No, many. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was a great joy in that city. Now, for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in that city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, this man is rightly called the great power of God. This man was uh, involved in witchcraft. And if any of you have some background in witchcraft, uh, we, you know, you've been delivered if you're probably here, if you still need some help with some things. But, but there is power in witchcraft. Demonic forces, no and or buts about it. And you see, you know, the whole, you know, the whole conspiracy, that Illuminati group and all that. There are people in power, positions of power in, in the United States that are involved in witchcraft. They're looking for power because they want to sustain their positions. They want to have power over people. And Simon was one of these guys. He had, he had demonic powers of sorcery. That's what he says. He practiced sorcery. And he blew everybody's mind with this power that he had. And, he's, and picking up, uh, let's go back to verse 9. For some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people, both high and low. And, um, and then th this man is a great power of God. Verse 11. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip, as he was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom in the name of Jesus Christ, and they were baptized, both men and women. So Simon's been kind of like this spiritual dude doing miracles through demonic forces. And you know how they'll do witchcraft. you got to pay, and you can put a hit on this person because they did something wrong to you. And you get your little, you get your little point, a little contact, all these little demonic things. Simon's been doing this, and people of very great wealth, as well as poor people, all gave him their attention. What the scripture said, they followed him. They they went to him for help, and he was considered the, the power guy in that city, in that town. And at verse 13 says, Simon himself believed. Philip's preaching the gospel, that there is the one, the one true God. And, and, and Simon goes, all right, I believe that too, and, and points to Jesus. And so Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. And he's just blown away because this is pure, it's real. And he says, and when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of the Lord or the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. And when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. This is significant. 
especially in your belief system about the power of the Holy Spirit, about the being baptized in the Holy Spirit. These pieces are really laying out what's transpiring right here. And it, and it, and it says, uh, verse 18, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, Peter said, oh, absolutely, dude. Listen, you just go to our website and you give a donation right here. Because we need the money because we're struggling in Jerusalem because of persecution. Peter answered, may your money perish with you. May your money perish with you because you thought you could be in college and come up with some plan on how to steal money from people because you're a charlatan. You're full of the death because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness. And Simon's like, oh God, I'm so sorry. I don't know. I'm so sorry. Because he still had that, that whole sinful nature still at work inside of him. Even though he had been baptized and had called upon the name of the Lord, had become a Christian. He was going to church and he was going to all the services and walking around with Philip as they're doing street evangelism and reaching out to people. So I want to back back up and, and, and I want to point out a couple things in this passage. Starting first off, that Philip is an everyday dude. Everybody say everyday. Every say it again. Say everyday. Philip is not one of the selected 12 apostles. Judas had killed himself. Matthias had been, re, uh, had been uh, positioned to take Judas's place. There's these 12 apostles. There's this persecution that's happened. The church in Jerusalem has spread throughout. They, they, they basically fled for their life because of the persecution. And Philip goes down to Samaria. He's an everyday dude, and he's moving in the supernatural. And the reason why I bring that out is because some of you live on the auspices that somehow the guy that's up here, the ladies who are up here, they're the more special ones, or there's these special people who can move in the supernatural. You need to understand something. Everyday people are supposed to be walking in miracles because he, because you're not an everyday person when you're filled with the uh, supernatural God. That's the breakdown, is that we don't understand that the miraculous power of the living God dwells in us. Greater works than these will you do. That's what he says to us. That's what he says will happen. So Philip it just believes that, even though we don't all believe that, the John passage, Philip believes it. God can use me to help people. God can use me to help paralyze people. He can use me to help people who are full of demons, who, who are suffering with such mental illness that they're locking them up in, 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 in places, you know, it, it, with padded rooms. He can use me to see them free. He can use me because I love him, not because I'm good, bad, or ugly, but because he is great and he's in my life. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. And the reason why this is important is because the next generation coming up behind us thinks our Christianity is boring because we don't live in the supernatural. So why would they not chase after everything else in this world? Why would they not be confused about their gender? Why would they not go try to ch check out every sexual deviant behavior? Why would they not? Because what we present to them is a dead religion, a dead relationship. But when we understand who we are in Christ... And understand that the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells in us. And when we start stepping out in faith and we start seeing the supernatural things of God, the younger generation goes, okay, wait a minute, just like these people did. Just like these people did. Here's an everyday dude who's just loving and caring. And because there's problems, God moves through people to help in those situations. Miracles are happening and everybody in the whole town is like, forget the witchcraft guy. Let's go here because this is the real deal. 
The problem in the United States is not the government. The problem is not wicked men and women in leadership. The problem is that the church is not the church. If we're the church, if we're full of life and full of miracles, then it won't matter what everything else is doing. Everyone, everyone else will be like, that is worthless. We want the real deal. We want the true stuff. This was the original Christians. This is what the early church looked like. And somehow, 2,000 years later, the modern church, we don't look like this anymore. And I continue on. It says that Simon the sorcerer, this guy who's working magic, he gets saved, and he starts following Philip. Now, again, again guys, this guy's been, he's been doing the levitating thing. And they're like, oh, let's bring him to Vegas and do a show with him. I mean, he's, he's got all this kind of stuff happening, and the people follow him until Philip comes into the city and starts proclaiming Jesus as Lord. And starts talking about the Messiah and how he died and how he resurrected. And if you will submit your life to him, if you'll repent of your sins and follow him, you can have this newness of life. And people all of a sudden are having peace for the first time in their life. They are bowing their knee to the one true God of heaven and earth, the creator who sent his only begotten son. And that son died on a cross so that you may have life. And as they surrender to him and they get baptized in front of everyone, and the spirit of the Holy, Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of them, now they're convicted. And these things are happening. And, and Simon's like, me too. I'm tired of living in darkness. I'm tired of the wickedness that I'm living in. There's light. I see the light of God. And he, start, he gets saved. And he's going around like, this is amazing. He's sitting on the front row. This is unbelievable. And he's seeing the miracles. And he's awesome. And then what happens is Jerusalem finds out that Samaria, the half-breeds, the not full Jewish people, those who they're opposed to, the, the Jerusalem church hears that there's some supernatural thing happening. It'd be like if we found out Waxahachie's got revival and we're all going down to check it out. So they said, let's send Peter and John and let's make sure that everything happening there is appropriate because this Philip guy is a young guy. This, he, he's not one of the apostles. I mean, I don't even know. Has he, has he even, has he even, I mean, has he read the whole Old Testament? We know he's memorized the Torah because he's a good Jewish kid. And so, and so they send Peter and John. When Peter and John get there, they realize, wait a minute. Yes, you've accepted Christ. Yes, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, but you don't have power. This is what it tells us. And so they lay hands on them to receive the Holy Spirit. This experience must be so significant that Simon is blown away. He's not blown away with the lame. He has been the lame people walking, the blind eyes walking. But when he sees Peter and John laying their hands on sweet, brand new baby Christians, people who just came to Christ, before they had been alcoholics, they busted up every marriage they've ever had, they were crackheads, whatever they were, they were business people who were so addicted to money that they never cared about anything else and abandoned their children throughout their life. And now all of a sudden, these people... We're having peace and joy. And that really touched Simon so much so that he said, I want that too. But when Peter and John come and say, hey, wait a minute. Have you guys been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And they're like, what? Yeah, we want that too. Yeah, not just having the Spirit of God living inside of you, but a baptismo that causes you to walk in power just like Philip walks in power. And they're like, yes, yes, we want that. And when they see them lay hands on them, and all of a sudden the power of the Holy Spirit begins to explode in these people's life, Simon's like, I got to have that. In fact, I don't care what it cost me. What was so significant about seeing everyday miracles versus individuals now are empowered? When he saw that everyday people could be like Philip, 
that Philip was not some special guy, that, no, that only he was anointed by the living God, that everyday people could be anointed by the living God to do supernatural things. He said, I don't care what it costs me. I, want to pay, I, want, I will give you money to be able to do that for people. I want to get that. And, of course, the apostle's like, there's wickedness in you still that you thought you could, find, you could pay for what is a gift from the living God. It makes no sense to me that we, the church, are apprehensive of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that we are apprehensive of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, that because of all these false doctrine pieces and manipulations and insecurities, he intended for you and I to walk in power and see miracles every day of our life. And when you and I walk away from that in fear, in fact, Mark chapter 16, I quote this all the time in this church because I want to be a part of a church that lives and moves in miracles. Mark chapter 16, verse 17, Jesus speaking, and these signs will accompany those who believe. If you're a believer, say me. Say it again. If you're a believer, say me. All right, half of you, all right? In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands or get COVID, and it will not harm them. If they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. Believers. Not Bible school graduates. Not theology degree people. Believers, I'm grateful for all the theology that I've studied. I'm grateful for the Bible school I graduated from. But at the end of the day, if the believer doesn't know who they are or what they have the ability to walk in, we are a dead church. We are not effective against the wickedness of the demonic that's active in these United States. And Jesus said, even greater works than these so then my question had to come in, in preparing this is, why do some Christians not believe in miracles? Why does that happen to us? And that's true. There are those of you in this room, you don't believe in miracles. If you do believe, you don't believe that you can be used by God to bring miracles. And why is that? Well, a couple of thoughts I have, probably because of the charlatans. Because those who misrepresented God said that they were anointed by God to do miracles and you found out after the fact that it was all about money for them back to the New Testament back to the very thing that happened with Simon because no one has ripped them a new one and said you are wicked and full of evil inside of you because you're trying to get money for what's a gift a free gift from God and you're trying to capitalize on people's money so you can be rich and so these charlatans that have gone listen I have experienced many charlatans Many Charlotte. I'll never forget um, when I was running the Bible school up the road, Christ for the Nations. And this lady came through, and she, would, and she was going to, quote, moving miracles, and they had it. So I was there to make sure that she didn't do nothing dumb with, with our students. And in uh, and, 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 and those days, the, the leadership set up on the stage, uh, kind of like you do in an academia format. And uh, she was ministering, and she said, Pastor Adam, the Lord has something special for you. Woo, he has stand up to your feet. I was like, okay, I'll stand up my feet. The Lord has something special. You could tell the moment she started into it. She was trying to get everyone here to be impressed with what she was about to do to me. It was so obvious. And so she comes over there, and she goes, I'm going to lay my hands on you, and I'm telling the Spirit of the Lord's going to be all over you. I said, well, the Spirit of the Lord's already in me. So I don't know what you think you're going to do. And she goes, yeah, but I'm telling you, the fire of God's going to come upon you. And the fire of God's already in me. I don't know what you think. You, I'm going to fall on the ground. Is it going to make you feel good? All right, so let's go. But I'm open to anything God wants. You know, I'm, 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 I'm humble. And so I threw up my hands. Come on. And she laid her hands on me. Nothing. It was, it, and the reason why is because her motives were impure, just like Simon's. 
there was wickedness inside of her, and she was trying to show off, and she thought that she could hype everybody up. She's a charlatan. And she starts pushing on me, and I'm just looking at her. And she says, you have a problem receiving? I said, I don't have a problem receiving. I have a problem with charlatans. You don't love these people, and you sure don't love me. Because with every power gift comes a fruit of the Spirit. Did you all know that? There are nine power gifts, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, working of miracles. But there are also nine fruits of the Spirit. The proof of the Holy Spirit's at work in your life is there's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. And if she wants to move in a power gift, there better be gentleness connected to it. That's not, the, that's not the Holy Ghost. You're trying to push people down, trying to dominate them with your will, overcome their will. You've noticed in this church we never dominate your will. you got to do this. you got to have this. Just receive it right now. We will never do that to you. You have a will. God gave you a will. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And he woos you into himself. He woos you into trusting him. He didn't force you to trust into him. He's a good father. He's a kind and gentle God who loves us, although he has all power. The snap of his finger, your existence could be erased from history. And so I've had multiple, and that's why some of you know charlatans. I had a guy one time show up at my youth group. I'd met his senior pastor at a conference I was speaking at, and his pastor was in, in endeared to me, and he was like, you need to come be my youth pastor. I'm like, nah, I'm supposed to be in Dallas. No, you need to come to the Carolinas. I'm telling you, it's the word of the Lord. I'm like, it's not the word of the Lord. God bless you, sir. Have a good day. Four weeks later, this man shows up at my youth group, and, uh, and, and, and I was like, why is this guy sitting here in my, youth, in my youth service? And after the service, he came up to me and introduced himself. He says, hey, listen, I'm a prophet. I travel around, and I move in the supernatural, and, um, and, and so I have a word for you. I was like, okay, what's your word? He goes, the Lord says that you're to transition out of here and go to, go to uh, the Carolinas to work with Pastor so-and-so. I said, let me ask you a question. He said, sure. I said, where are you from? He said, I'm from the Carolinas. So what church you go to? Well, I go to that pastor's church. Okay. You had a conversation with that pastor about me? Well, well actually, we did. And, uh, and so now you have a prophetic word that I'm supposed to come work for him? He said, yeah. I said, you're a manipulator. Get out of here. Don't ever come back. If I ever see you again, I'll punch you in the face. That's manipulation. Are you with me? This is why some of you are scared of the supernatural. This is why some of you don't move in miracles because you don't want to be that and because you've seen people do that. Listen, there are always going to be fakes. And the only way you know what a fake is if you know what the real deal is. The only way to say that's a fake is say, I know that's a fake. And the reason I knew these were fakes, because I grew up in a church with people who were godly and spiritual and moved in miracles and they were kind and they were gentle. They didn't push you down to receive the Holy Ghost. They were gracious. And so I could look at a fake and go, that's a fake, because I've seen the real deal. See, if you've never seen a real diamond, then you won't know it's you know, a fake diamond. You only know it's a fake diamond because you've seen the real thing. And that's what we have to be for our generation. We have to move in miracles. Some of you don't believe in miracles um, because you believed in a miracle once and it didn't happen. You're believing for something and it didn't happen. And so your faith has been wounded in that. Miss Jamie was kind of testifying about that when she was going through a time where my faith was wounded. It's not that God's not good. It's just I was struggling with my faith. So I struggled to believe in miracles. Some of you have gotten so busy dissecting miracles to see if they're pure that you've stopped experiencing them. And it's time to just walk in faith again. So let me tell you what John 14, 12 says again, our key verse. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. 
So let me give you a couple of reasons why we don't move in miracles. I'm going to try to help you a little bit. I want to adjust you a little bit, kind of like a chiropractor, so you can start moving in miracles. You, you ready for that? Say yes. Can I do that? Say yes. Can I help you as your pastor? Say yes. All right, good. Thank you. Here's the first reason we don't move in miracles. Number one, ignorance. Ignorance. We just don't know that we can. No one's told us. Uh, we, maybe you come from the place. You know, maybe you were part of the Catholic Church where the, the priests were the anointed ones. Maybe you came from a, a group of people, uh, maybe you've never been a Christian, and so you, this, is, this is your first experience walking with God here in our church, which I love because we can help formulate your doctrine a little bit better and get you living uh, you know, a, a pure Christian walk because the people in this church are really good at, uh, at living it out instead of just talking about it. And so maybe you just didn't know, but today is the day that that comes to an end. You do not have to be ignorant any longer. And ignorance means uh, not understanding, not having understanding. You can move in the supernatural. If you're a Christian who loves God, you can move in the supernatural. The Lord has intended for you freedom. I'm believing, I've been believing all week that you would have freedom from thinking that your struggles with sin somehow negate your ability to walk in the supernatural for God. Now, I want, I want, I want to just push on this a little bit. Some of you still live on this metric system. I did five good things for God today and only three bad things. So I'm ahead. Woo! Maybe I can be used by God. Okay, that is broken. That's dead religion. You are a son. You are a daughter. And the father, yes, he disciplines you when you make a mistake or when you're, when you're being rebellious or whatever. Yes, he disciplines you. But you're, oh, you're his son. You're his, you're his daughter, and maybe you didn't have a good, you know, uh, mother-father relationship growing up, so you don't have a pure image of what, of what a, a good father is like. But God the Father does not boot you or set you to the side because you are still struggling through overcoming something. If that's the case, none of us can be used by God. All of us are able to experience the supernatural while still struggling through things that we are not quite gotten over yet. Working through bitterness, working through perversions, working through addictions. And I have seen, listen, I have seen God use the, I'm telling you, use people like just got saved. Like, dude, I know that dude is still smoking weed every other weekend. But that guy right there just laid hands on that person right there. And I just watched those, those ears open up and they can hear. That's a trip to me. Why? Because he's no respecter of persons, the Bible says. He will use any of us. So the day of being ignorant has to come to an end. In fact, here's the other reason I think you're a little ignorant, because you haven't recognized the micro-miracles that are happening all throughout the week in your life. There are micro-miracles happening all throughout the week in your life, and you just don't pay attention to them, because you, you, all you know about is the big things, and I just want to see the big things. Well, what about the little micro-things? Like, you should have gotten in a car accident yesterday, but supernaturally, somehow, it was like it's, it, it, the swerving moment. I'm telling you what that was, the hand of God. Felix, one of our most best leaders in, in this church, a man by the name of Felix, and he gave me permission to tell this. Uh, Father's Day weekend, he'd come to grit, and I was teaching the men about asking the Holy Spirit for help when you, when you don't know what to do. He said, he, he said, fired up, he enjoyed grit, I mean, really encouraged him. He said, the next morning they wake up and there's water all in their house. Sewer is coming up through, through the bottom, uh, through their sewer lines. You, it's Father's Day's weekend. He can't get anybody to come help him. He finally gets a guy who comes out late Saturday, and they start looking and digging, and they can't figure it out. They run, they run, they run the, you know, a couple of, t- can't. So 
finally, into Sunday, he, and he God says, I'll come back Sunday and, and, and have the right tools. And they work on it Sunday. I may have that little detail off a little bit. But they, he works all day Sunday. He said, Pastor, I'm sorry I wasn't able to come to church. We're trying to fix this sewer thing. We didn't know if we were going to stay in a hotel. We got, we got sewer water all through our house. Couldn't figure out where the line was. They go outside. They're trying to find the line. And he goes, I'm at a point. I'm so frustrated. This thing is just won't go away. I don't, I don't have the money to fix it. I just don't know. I'm trying to do it myself. I'm trying to get somebody to come help me. He goes, and we're trying to find the line from, uh, from, from, the, from the street to our house, and we can't find the line and where the clean-out piece is at to even put, a, put the Roto-Rooter down in it. He goes, and I'm sitting in the middle of the yard. I'm frustrated. He said, we have dug holes all through my front yard trying to find this thing. He said, it looks like a treasure hunt. He goes, and I'm sitting there, and I finally remember what you said. Ask the Holy Spirit. He goes, Holy Spirit, He's got a shovel in his hand. He goes, Holy Spirit, please help me now. And he sticks it in the ground. Don't hit it right there. They dig it up. They're like, ah, this is greatest. He's like, Pastor, isn't that amazing? I'm like, that's the micro miracles of loving God. And he loves us and he's watching out for us. And I think because we pass over those, and I just, I don't know about you, I live in the miraculous every day. And I'm not talking about like angels talk to me in the night and the heavens rip open and tell me, don't buy that car, buy this car. You know, I don't, I'm talking about just the little micro miracles all throughout the day. You're having them too, but you're not acknowledging them. And now it's time to kind of say, you know what, mm, and stop being ignorant of that. Are you still with me? Say yes. In fact, can I just, I, listen, I believe every one of you should be moving in the gifts of God. Words of knowledge, words of wisdom, prophecies. I, 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 I hear some people teach that you have one of those nine gifts of your best gift. And maybe that's the case, but I think we all should prophesy. I think we all should say, man, I feel like God wanted me to tell you this, like I was praying for you. And that's prophecy. It's that sweet and that simple. In fact, I want to help you a little bit. And this coming Saturday... Uh, one of our top leaders, and uh, I think Mimi's helping with them too, um, um, they're going to put together, they put together a little um, how to kind of move in prophecy seminar. Uh, we call them some mini-Rs around here, little mini-seminars. So this coming Saturday, so six days from now at 9 a.m. right here in this side room, uh, if you want to show up. Um, in fact, do we have a little QR code? You can scan that. It's going to be just a little couple hour teaching. So, you know, I'd like to learn a little bit more how to move in that gift and, and use that a little bit more. Now, I want you to scan that and just so you can let us know how, mu how much coffee to put out. And uh, we're going to be happy if we got 10, 15 people, 20 people. But I just wanted to start investing in you so that you can start ha ha moving in that. And so I'm super excited about uh, Nicole uh, Clark. And, uh, and she's got a couple of folks helping her. And she's been through some training that, I, that, that went through. And that's exactly what we want in this church. If you're well trained, then you won't end up doing something that you're embarrassed of later. So they'll do a little training. And uh, I think you should go to it. I think it'll, I think it'll help you. Here's my second reason why we don't move in miracles. You still with me? Say yes. All right, y'all got to listen fast. We got to start moving on this. All right, here's the second reason we don't move in miracles is because we've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I just want you to understand, the Holy Spirit was sent to us to baptize us to give us power, and ye shall receive power after which the Holy Spirit's come upon you. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is what Jesus said. He says, listen, I'm going to go to the Father, but I'm not going to abandon you. I did a whole teaching on the agent is what we called him. You should go back and listen to that if you need to know more about the person of the Holy Spirit living and abiding in you. But some of you have never been baptized. This is what's happening right here in this passage that we just read here in Acts chapter 8 where Peter and John come. And they lay hands on them and they literally baptize them in the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden there's this empower engagement and it's what throws Simon to, for a loop. And he's like, this is so much even more powerful that every Christian can have power to do what I just saw Philip doing 
that caused me to lay down my livelihood, lay down all of my influence, to shut down all of my social media platforms and to follow this guy right here. And now I see these other dudes come from Jerusalem and they start giving power to all these people. And Peter and John's like, are you out of your mind? This is a free gift of God. We're not giving them power. We're just, we're just a conduit to connect that thing. And the supernatural power is coming through people. And some of you have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. You don't even, you're like, I've been water baptized. I was talking to a young man last week. I was like, listen, do you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Have you been, excuse me, do you have the power of the Holy Spirit? Have you been baptized? He goes, I've been water baptized. I was like, bro, because he was heading off into something. And I was like, bro, you cannot go where you're about to go. You will not survive this, young man. I was like, you will not survive this without the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. And he's like, pastor, I, I need that. I was like, you need that. You need that. We need to pray and lay hands on you for that. We do an encounter every quarter. You can go on our website and you can check when the next encounter. Go to our events page because we do an encounter where it's a sweet, special moment where there's not, everybody's not in the room. Everybody's not the big congregational group. And we do that privately. We don't do that in a big meeting like our Sunday services. And the reason why is because I want you to have a sweet place where you can work through doctrine, work through some of the misappropriations that you've heard and seen. So we do that in our encounters. But as our pastors will lay hands on you anytime time for you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Here's a third reason why we don't move in miracles, and that is because we've been dominated by unbelief. We've been dominated by unbelief. Can I just help you with something? Every one of us have faith and unbelief at work in our life. Every one of us. You just need, you need to understand that truth. You can have faith, but also have unbelief at work in your life. In fact, we see this laid out in Mark chapter 9, verse 21. There's this man who brings his son. I'll just kind of quote it to you. It's on the screen. But this man brings his son who's having seizures and, and demonic forces are throwing this kid into fires and into the rivers trying to drown him. And so he brings his son to Jesus, and, uh, which is a big step, right? Wouldn't you call that faith that I'm going to go bring my son to Jesus? I believe that he can get him help. He can fix him. He can help him. And when he shows up to him, he starts having a conversation with him. And he says, and he keeps throwing him in, the demons throw him in. If you can help him. And Jesus says, if. If I can help him. And in that moment, the man realized, oh, I got unbelief. And he says, sir, help my unbelief. We, we, he had to have faith to bring him to him. Or he wouldn't have never brought it to him. He just said, that guy's a fake. I would never do that. I don't know if that's really God. I don't think that's really the son of God. He he had believed that he was the son of God, and he brings his son. To, but in the moment, he's been with this kid so long, and he starts going through the history. You're like, when he was in third grade, he did this. And, and then this happened at the hospital, and then we found him roaming the streets one time. And when he's 11, and man, if you can help him. And Jesus says, if. And the man realizes he's got unbelief. And he says, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. All of us have faith and unbelief in areas fighting against each other. And I would teach you to do just like this man, Jesus, help my unbelief. I don't really believe that you can use me to pray for someone and see them healed because of what I did over here or because of what I saw over or because of the YouTube video I watched by this guy talking about this, that, and the other. And so I have this in my mind, and I just get locked up. I really had a struggle with praying for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit 
And the reason why I had such a struggle with it is because I saw so many people manipulated when I was coming up and, and receiving the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I saw them kind of not teach the doctrine properly, so it brought confusion. And so I was insecure to pray with people. And I'll never forget, I was at a youth conference, and, uh, and, and, and the guy speaking said, I want all the youth ministers to stand up. So I stood up, and he said, I want you all to all stand off to the side. So we all went and stood off to the side, spread yourself out. Now, if you're a young person in here, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, go to them right now, let them lay hands on you. Say, oh, snap, oh, snap. Oh snap. Oh snap. And next thing I know, I got six little young guys standing around me like, we can't wait. We get to fire God. <laughs> I hope this works. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I didn't feel any warm, warm, warm. I was, I was full of fear and doubt. And I'm like, God, I can't help them. I'm, I'm a little insecure about this. And I heard his voice say, This ain't about you. Shut up. Put your hands on them. I will come through you even in your brokenness. I was like, Okay, God. Lord, I pray you get it. And these kids are, whoa, something's happening inside of me. Like, I didn't even have that. Man, unbelievable. It's unbelievable. God will use you, not because you're good or bad, because he's great. And you've got to get past that unbelief. You've got to get past that, that, that thing that's holding you back. And what I would say is ask for help, just like this man did. Lord, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. I, you know, I prayed for a miracle for my grandmother, and she still died. So I don't even want to pray for people anymore for miracles, God. That's because my unbelief has set in because of what I what I'd, what I'd hoped would happen didn't happen. That's unbelief. And the Bible literally tells us that without faith it's impossible. Which brings me to my fourth piece and how you, uh, how you and I can literally move in miracles. And that is miracle faith requires action. And so you'll never move in miracles if you won't take an action step. And again, I just quoted it, but let's go back to it. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And that's Hebrews chapter 6. For the next few verses, Hebrews chapter 11 lines out all these great men and women of faith. And it gives all these little things that they did. Um, You know, verse 7 says, by faith, Noah built an ark. By faith, Noah built an ark. Uh, By faith, Abraham offered Isaac. By faith, Moses' parents hid him um, instead of throwing him in the river like they were supposed to. By faith, the prostitute Rahab hid the spies. By faith, they marched around Jericho, not knowing if the walls would fall. By faith, they acted. Every one of them had an action piece tied to it. And so what I would teach you to do, if you want to see miracles in your life, then you're going to have to take some steps of faith, even even if you're insecure about it. Even if you're insecure, Jamie and I took some huge steps of faith this year um, in, in reference to what we were believing for financially for our family. Huge steps of faith. And I mean, it's got labor all attached to it. But we took a step of faith, and God met us there, and it's miraculous. It's unbelievable, the miracles that we're seeing. You're going to have to step out in Walmart and say, ma'am, can I just pray for you? I know that's weird. <laughs> I'm a little insecure, but uh, can I just pray for you about that? Oh, okay, sure. Oh, I, did, I was hoping you'd say no. Okay. Um, <laughs> wow. Doggone Pastor Adam. Um, whew, okay. Um, God, I just, um, hmm, God, I just pray maybe if you could, if you don't mind for a second, y'all stop looking at me around here, okay, um, that, um, that you would help this lady. I'm telling you, you will see miracles when you take a step into faith. Faith is not this feeling or this emotion. Faith is a confidence that God's going to supply whether I'm good, bad, or ugly. He's good. He's great. I'm going to take a step into it. You say, what if they don't get healed? What if they do? What if what I gave them, I felt like God wanted me to tell them, wasn't the Lord? What if it was? This week I was at a conference speaking 
Uh, and um, I was, had this moment. I, was, I really felt like the Holy Spirit told me there's someone in this room. It's all young adults. There's someone in this room having miscarriages. I'm like, Lord, this is young adults. If they having miscarriages, they better um, stop doing whatever they're doing. <laughs> Lord, and I just heard him say, he says, I want you to say that. I'm like, oh, man. Like, that's, like, give me something like I feel like you're struggling with porn. That's at least 50% of people in the room. That's percentages. <laughs> that's not even prophetic. <laughs> that's percentages. <laughs> and, uh, and you're like, no, say that. I'm like, okay. I said, I just feel like the Lord's showing me that there's a person who's been having miscarriages, and my wife and I have been through that, and I really believe God could heal you tonight and would like to heal you um, if you'd just let, let me pray for you. And, uh, and everybody's looking around. I was like, who is that in the room? I mean, it's 1,000 people, 1,200 people. Who's that in the room? Everybody's looking around like, you? No, it better not be. Uh, no, no, no. And uh, Aaron, so I said again. I said five times. And then I'm like, Jesus. And so I finally just said, um, guys, maybe I missed this. I'm so sorry. Uh, I felt like the Lord told me that. I guess I might have missed it. I am so sorry. And finally, somebody up front, because people were praying, someone up front was like, here, she, her. And she's like, yes. I was like, where you been for the last 10 minutes? It was one of the leaders, you know, her and her husband were one of some of the leaders for the group. And they had been praying with this lady, and they weren't listening to what I was saying. <laughs> and so I felt so stupid. I was like, well, I guess I missed it. And she's like, me. And I'm telling you, I, we turned to her. I said, everyone get around her, lay hands. And we started praying for her. And I'm telling you, she found me after that service and just boo-hooing. <sighs> no one, you don't understand. This is God. I needed a miracle. This is God. I quit on God. because, And I'm like serious wow it's a miracle for her life yes i was out there by myself on the water man i'm drowning like i miss god trying to keep my head up and the whole time god was moving and it's okay to look stupid and it's okay to miss it but it's not okay to call yourself a christian and not move in miracles jesus did and he said to us, what's our key scripture? Come on now. I'm just, I just love you. I just love you so much. But our key scripture was out of that passage in John 14. Verily, truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these. Our children, our grandchildren, our neighbors, our coworkers. It's time for the real Christians to act like it. Because all the fake Christians keep getting all the attention. They end up in all the YouTube videos and come across everybody's feed. It's time for the real Christians. We, we don't have it all right. We're still working through some things. But he's the God of miracles. See, a miracle is when the supernatural comes into the natural. That's what a miracle is. And to not believe that the supernatural God wants to invade our natural space is a broken place our supernatural God constantly is invading our natural space because he's God and he uses us to help others and this is what Christians do this is how we act we may not you may not be calling you know the bridge is falling down and you may not be you know some some raise back up bridge you know you may not be doing the Obi-Wan Kenobi where you're raising the starfighter out of the mud or whatever the little you know whatever you know sorry that was uh, the little green guy anyway um <coughs> sorry for, sorry sci-fi guy so sorry oh my Jesus Woo, I felt that person like, you misquoted Star Wars <laughs> so sorry 
me and Thanos, that I got wrong last week, all the other guys came up to me, it's Thanos, Pastor Adam, not Thanos. I'm like, oh, there you go. Who cares? People are dying and going to hell, and we're fighting over Thanos and Thanos. <laughs> Got to be accurate, though. <clears throat> I just want you to know, greater works than what he did, we will do. That's what he told us. Believe for miracles. It's okay to not be perfect and still see miracles. You're not cheating. God loves you, and he wants to use you to help others. Are you with me today? Say yes. Stand with me quickly across the room. Hey, thank you for joining us online here at Hill City. We're so honored that you would take the time to join us remotely and to celebrate the goodness of Jesus. I hope that word spoke to you. I hope that you were blessed today, and I hope that you are encouraged to go forth in the confidence of Jesus this week, wherever you are. If you made a decision today uh, to serve Jesus for the first time, we want to celebrate with you. Would you text DECIDED to 469 606 2684 and uh, we want to respond and again just connect with you and celebrate the beginning of an amazing discipleship journey with Jesus don't forget next week we are here again same place same time nine o'clock and until then we hope you have an amazing week